You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TM Up podcast. I want to thank you guys all for joining us as we are now for a lot of the teams, a couple games now into the NBA season, getting things, getting things started. Jared, I know you've been watching a lot of basketball over the last few days. How you feeling, my man? I'm just happy uh, NBA basketball's back. Um, Bulls basketball's back. I, I'm, I'm happy I can finally focus on something in sports that is not my Chicago Bears. Because yeah, I'm right it's there been with brutal. you. I'm so right there with season you. came at the perfect time. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. And, you know, to kind of our surprise, or I guess kind of to our enjoyment, both of our teams faced each other to kick off their season. That is the Bulls against the Heat. So, Jared, a lot of top NBA teams faced off against each other to kind of start this season. You know, the Warriors, Lakers, 76ers, Celtics. But, of course, the big game for us here on the TMO podcast that was the Heat at the Bulls. It wasn't a nationally televised game, but for us, we were definitely all ears. Chicago got the 116-108 win in South Beach. So, Jarrett, I'm going to let you go ahead. You're going to you can take your early season victory lap. What did you make of this game? So, I was actually really impressed uh, for multiple reasons by multiple players in this game. Um, I wasn't expecting to win this one for obvious reasons. I mean, the Heat are the better team. And Zach Levine was not playing last night, or I'm sorry, a couple nights ago. Yeah. Um, it's an ongoing issue with his knee, it seems like, which I will talk about at some later point. But focusing on the game, uh, the Bulls were down for most of the game until they tied it up in the second half. And they really started to show fight. That third quarter, they were rolling. And I was so happy to see, as we've seen at times with the Bulls last season, they kind of lose that competitive edge at times in games that allows opponents to come back and try to take the game. Um, my The most pleasant surprise to the dismay of Heat fans, I'm sure, was Goran Dragic. Yeah, you look he good. Was, he looked great. I was yeah. shocked, especially I didn't watch uh, much preseason at all. I was I've been big on the NFL oh, this yeah. year. I, I will admit wasn't watching much preseason, but what I heard early on about Dragic wasn't good. I was hearing like he looked old, and when I tuned in today, I wasn't uh, or when I tuned in the other night, I wasn't sure what to expect. And Dragic looked rejuvenated. He looked like he was ten years younger. He was hustling for just. When he, uh, ball carriers weren't paying attention. Yeah. I mean, him and Caruso, they might make a, a sneaky, deadly combo on the defensive end when uh, the other team's trying to get in transition and Caruso and uh, and Drakic aren't back yet. But Drakic was making some incredible shots. He was driving at the rim. He looked aggressive, and I think he's going to be a great fit with this Bulls team that's kind of going to be point guard by committee at times. Um, when Lonzo Ball, for all we know, isn't with the roster right now. Um, DeMar DeRozan, as many people keep saying, oh, he can't do it again this year. He's going to decline. DeMar DeRozan picked up right where he <laughs> left off, and it was he. It was his game. I mean, Jimmy Butler couldn't stop him. No player on that court could stop him. It was great to see. That's what the Bulls are going to need, especially with Zach Levine being out. Io Sumo looked fantastic all yeah, game. Yeah. Um, my two biggest points contention that I just will wait and see. 
Drummond, although much better than Tony Bradley minutes, <laughs> didn't look too great, especially even around the rim on offense. Uh, he wasn't doing too much. He had some bad shots. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll wait and see with the Drummond sign. And I, I have some hope. Um, and we mostly need him for rebounding. That's what he's there for. Um, but just when he had the ball in his hands, you never really knew what was going to happen. And Patrick Williams, I got to admit, I'm starting to lean towards he's a bust. Um, he, he used to support the overall pick on him. And in a game where Levine was sitting out, I would have liked to have seen more aggression and more uh, shots from Patrick Williams. It just kind of seems like talking about the last two seasons where he just doesn't seem to have that aggressive edge. And that's not going to make it. That's not going to fly in the NBA. No, no, I'm with you. And I agree with you. You know, Goran, I thought after last season, obviously he kind of played half the season with the Brooklyn Nets. I, I still think he had some basketball left in him. I, I thought it was a pretty good pickup there for your Chicago Bulls and, and him kind of filling in. Obviously, it's it's a need with Lonzo being out in that point guard position. So I thought he, he looked good in game one. We'll see how he kind of holds up as things go on. So, you know, obviously he is a little bit older, but We'll kind of see, but this game to me, it didn't mean too much in in the grand scheme of things. It was a close game really throughout. Mm-hmm. Really, it was that unconscious third quarter for DeRozan made the entire difference in the, the game. Bulls seem really, really, but yeah, and DeRozan, I think what he scored like 16, 18 points or something in that quarter. He was unconscious. It might have been like, nineteen in the third. Yeah, I think it was he, nineteen. He was insane. He was unstoppable in that one. He obviously scored thirty seven points in thirty six minutes. Vucevic, I got to give a little bit of credit. You didn't mention him. Grabbed seventeen rebounds, which as you mentioned if he can become more of a rebounder maybe pull back his scoring a little bit and start to get more boards that's really going to help you guys moving forward too so I think the 17 rebounds for your shorthanded bulls really were key in that game as well and I hate to be the guy that kind of rains on your your parade but really nothing happened in this game that worried me about Miami you know Butler he was okay you know sometimes it takes a little bit for Butler at the beginning of the season to really get revamped and back into the season. 24 points, eight rebounds. He was all right. Hero, he got the start on that one, which I did say in my sixth man of the year, I thought it would be a possibility that he played himself into the starting lineup. So far, one game in, he was in there. I don't know if that's going to be a thing that they stick with. I still think they like Struess in that starting lineup just because of what he gives you a little bit more on the defensive side of things. But he was good, 23 points, four for eight for the three-point line. Struess, as I just mentioned, had a great game off the bench, 22 points. He was five of seven from beyond the arc. So some of those guys started to get shooting from that three-point line, which when it comes to Miami, obviously we know what they like to do. They like to play lockdown defense, and they have shooters on that team. It's just all about if those shooters can play defense along with doing it, which is kind of why we've seen the decline in Duncan Robinson. He only had 11 minutes in that game where it's just, yeah, he's a laser. He can shoot threes. But on the defensive end, he's a liability, and everybody knows that. He's bigger than the position that he actually plays on the court. It's just hard for him to match up. So Struess, a little bit undersized, but he gives you more of the defensive end as far as that effort goes. So I think the Heat are going to be better defensively as time goes on. You know, Spolstra is going to get these guys uh, definitely into shape. I have complete faith in that. I was encouraged to see some of the key offensive players get going for Miami because we know that's kind of been their struggle. That's kind of how they fell out of the playoffs last season was on the offensive side of things. Miami's going to be just fine. I'm still a little skeptical of the injured Bulls. I just don't know if you guys are going to be able to be, how long you guys are going to be able to be carried by DeRozan. And if you need 37 points tonight from DeMar DeRozan, that's going to be problems. Obviously, there's going to be help on the way. Zach Levine's going to be there as well. So to me... 
it, it was a good game one. You know, obviously you guys got the victory, a game that you shouldn't have won, you know, coming in injured, coming into South Beach, and congratulations there. But I, nothing really in this game has got me worried, really, on, on either side. I still think about the same of both teams after that game one. So, yeah, well, I mean, when the Bulls take our talents to South Beach, what can we say? <laughs> we try to walk out with a W every time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people give Miami their best shot, obviously. You know, it's it's all right, but they're going to be ready. They're going to be revamped. You know, Bam Adebayo, it, it's going to – some of those guys, you know, they play hard, but really to get into the groove of the season, it takes a little bit of time. We've seen that the year in year. Miami doesn't really start fast. There was that one year, I think it was – three or four years ago where they started pretty quick. But other than that, they, they kind of just build up as the season goes on. And they're, they're sitting there at that four seed, and then all of a sudden a couple good weeks, and you're like, how did they get to the one seed? Like, that's just that's kind of what they do throughout the season. So moving on from our first game, our first matchup, I should say, of the season of our two teams, let's move on to a pick that we both had, and that is our rookie of the year pick. We were both on Paolo Bancaro. And one game into the season, his campaign got off to a fantastic start. He put up 27 points, nine rebounds, five assists in his opening loss to the Pistons. Jarrett, what did you make of Mancaro's debut? Um, well, this game uh, definitely uh, reaffirmed my confidence in my Rookie of the Year pick. Uh, I'm, I'm basically locking that in that Paolo is going to be Rookie of the Year. I mean, what he's he's the uh, third player to ever average – or yeah, to 25, five, and five, 25, five, and five. First one since LeBron. Yeah. First one since LeBron. And you know, who was the first to do it? Kareem. Yep. So that's like two players in the top three <laughs> of all time. I'm not saying Paulo's going to join them up there, but Paulo, I think he's going to be just fine in his NBA career. He's going to be a good player. He looked confident on both ends of the floor. He made big plays. Um, even when he would like have a turnover, like he didn't like kind of put his head down or kind of give up on the play. Uh, going like across half court, he got the ball picked off of him and he ran back down and he blocked it off the backboard. That man hustles, whether he makes a mistake, he's going to make up for it. And that's what you want to see out of a rookie, especially coming right out of the gate. I loved what I saw from him. No, absolutely. I, and I followed him in college too. I thought he was a really good player. Coming into this season, obviously, we know kind of the hype that was surrounding Chet Holmgren and those other guys at the top. But I think Bancaro, to me, I, I think I said he should have been the number one overall pick coming into this season. He's fantastic in this one. 11 for 18 shooting, almost had that double-double. It was encouraging to see him be able to put up those numbers without needing to hit a lot of jump shots because he got to the rim really time and time again. He collected a couple posters as well while doing it. In college, his jump shot was a little shaky at times. And I think his consistency, he needs to improve on, and I think he will down there in Orlando. And I think I kind of like that he didn't attempt a three-pointer in this game at all. He kind of just knew what was working for him, knew the role that they needed him to do in that. And he just kind of played like more of a traditional power forward, and he was dominant in this game. And he has the size in order to do that and the athleticism in order to do that. So I think moving forward, he's going to continue to grow. This was just one game, but it was a great showing. But this was the perfect recipe for the Magic this season. You know, Bancaro looked great. Wagner had 20. He had 25 and four. Jalen Suggs scored 21. Wendell Carter had a double-double, and they lost a close game. That's exactly what they're trying to do. You know, they're not – I think they're a little bit too talented to be in the full-blown tank for Scoot or Victor mode. 
I, but I don't think they should mm-hmm. be in that in the business of winning basketball games this year. I think the more they lose and they show the potential growth of their potential star players, the better it's going to look for the Magic. So I think this was the perfect recipe. They they fought hard. They got it down to the end. A lot of their hopeful stars looked really good in this one, and they ended up losing. So I think it's exactly what they're looking for. I would disagree on uh, the idea that the Magic should uh, lose games. Um I think this team should be competing just to kind of see what they have, uh, especially with younger players and a younger roster like this. You kind of want them to kind of have some semblance of success to where that kind of loser mentality doesn't sink in, which seems to have been a problem for the, the Orlando Magic. Um, because I think personally, Bancaro and uh, Wagner could be like a duo of part of that young core that the Magic can really build around for the future, like, those two guys could be good enough one day to where they could headline in a successful NBA team. Um, I like what I saw from the whole team all around. Even it was encouraging seeing Suggs have a decent game. Too. Yeah. So, yeah, because we're still kind of out on Suggs on like, what's he going to be in the NBA as his rookie season was underwhelming. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I'm super excited for this magic team. Yeah. I think Although, they like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not too excited, though, because they are in the Eastern Conference. So <laughs> just wait till my Bulls like get a championship before y'all blow oh, okay. up or something. Like, I, I don't want them. I don't want them passing yeah. this up. I think they like more. I think they like Cole Anthony more than, than they like Jalen Suggs. But, hey, if they're both going to become really talented players in this league, they'll definitely take that. But we have to move on now to something that I kind of just have to get off my chest. Um, So oh, anybody, who's, anybody who's been following along knows – I'm a Miami Heat fan, first and foremost, first and foremost, but I'm a LeBron fan. And I would also like to see LeBron obviously contend as he's kind of in the twilight years of his career. I know he signed that extension for at least a couple more years. We'll see how long he hangs on. But I have to kind of put things into perspective of what we've seen from the Lakers so far this season. A lot of people are going to look at them being 0-2. They're immediately going to start to blame Russ or LeBron or even Ham or Palenka. And I'm going to tell you what's really going on with this team from someone who's watched every single second of Lakers basketball so far this year. We know that Russell Westbrook doesn't fit on this roster at this point in his career. I'm not buying the whole coming off the bench helped hurt his hamstring either. I, that doesn't make any sense to me where he says like, yeah, you know, that that might have played a factor why my hamstring's not feeling well because I'm just not used to coming off the bench. But also I don't think him coming off the bench is a solution on, on this roster either. All Westbrook slander aside, there's two major problems with this Lakers roster. Number one, that's the lack of an NBA-level backcourt play. And number two, the lack of shooting. In game one, the starting backcourt of Westbrook and Beverly combined for to shoot eight for 18 from the field, two for eight from the arc, and total of five assists from your starting backcourt. In game two, they got even worse. They shot a combined one of 18 shooting, one of 12 from beyond the arc, and again, five assists from your starting backcourt. They have statistically the worst starting backcourt in the NBA to start this season at 0-2. After game one, LeBron was honest about his roster, saying that it's obvious the team does not have shooters on it. He couldn't be more right. Game one, this team shot one of 40 from the arc. That's 25%. Game two, got even worse. Nine of 45, 20%. The Lakers as a team have made 24 of 101 jump shots so far this season. 
They're shooting less than 25% from jump shots as a team. That's abysmal. That's awful. The crazy thing is there have been times late in both these games where the defense has created runs where they had a chance to win both these games. And some people are going to look at the box score and they say, I think they ended up losing by like 14 to, to the Warriors. That was a close game because the defense of the Lakers all of a sudden clamped down and they just went on this run where the defense was creating offense. I know that they're trying to wait to see what, what could become available in a Westbrook trade. And I know it's not the perfect fix of the roster because there is no perfect fist fix. There's no magic button that's going to get them over the edge. But I, watching these last two games, I couldn't help but think Buddy Heald and Miles Turner could help this roster right now. And I know it's not going to just immediately make them a contender because nothing is going to. But Buddy Heald is a laser, could help. Obviously, it's only one guy. And another thing they could use is some backup center play, rebounding, Miles Turner defense that I could do. All I know is something has to change because this roster construction is an absolute joke. So I know it's quick to blame Russell Westbrook, and he has not been great by any stretch of the imagination. But really, I blame the front office more than anything because they looked at this roster, they looked at what they had, and they said, no, that's good enough. We're going to run with that for this season, or at least to start the season. So I think we have to put things in perspective with the Lakers, and that's just what I've seen from watching both their games so far. I don't think I could have said that any better. <laughs> um, I don't I don't really think I have anything to add to that. Yeah. Uh, it's just that Beverly Westbrook combo it's it's not going to hold up it doesn't make sense and in my personal opinion Patrick Beverly has too big of a role on this team i don't think he fits well with teams where he's given too much to do yeah. because he just can't live up to that he's much more suited for a complimentary role as kind of like a locker room energy guy uh, maybe comes off the bench and gives you some a, sh- a shot here or there like we saw at times with the backup point guard yeah, Absolutely. He has to be in a backup role. Not even I'm not even talking like six man responsibility. Like no, at no, sweet no, no. spot of like seven, eight, nine, ten, like around there. But no, he's he's first off the bench for the Lakers, and that it's just recipe for disaster. Well, yeah, he hasn't even been first off the bench. He's been start. He's been starting right alongside. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's why I'm like first off the yeah. bench in the starting role. No, exactly. It's, yeah. it's it's been abysmal. And the fact that they're rolling out with this, and let's be honest, they're missing Dennis Schroeder. He provides more problems too. That's just going to be a log jam at point guard where all three of those guys want to play with the ball in their hands. And the Lakers are better off if no of those three guys have the ball in their hands because you want LeBron to be your de facto point guard. Like and Kendrick just, Nunn hasn't done much either. Kendrick Nunn has has been on the floor, but he's been non-existent. We have not seen him. Who's been great is Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker looked great last night against the Clippers. He had a pretty good game one. And if he can kind of if he is your Whatever you give me is great. If you can average 12 points a game and sometimes you give me 24, that you can win with that. Lonnie Walker, he's an athletic wing guy who, who's had a couple good seasons over there in San Antonio. But this roster just makes no sense. You have no shooters whatsoever. There's that one guy, I don't even know his name, Ryan or something like that. Matt Ryan. He was driving Uber months ago and he made the roster because he could shoot a little bit. That's how desperate they are for shooters. It's ridiculous. It's a G League roster. It's a G League roster headlined by two NBA superstars. If you still want to call Anthony Davis one and the corpse that is Russell Westbrook and then Pat Beverly. Absolutely. That's all it is. It's and a G League roster. It is ridiculous that, you know, and LeBron came out after game one, said, 
You know, it's not like we have a bunch of three-point shooters on our team. We we know that. Came out after game two and said, you know what? I've made my thoughts clear. I'm not going to harp on it. That's his way of kind of saying it with a smile. Hey, I don't care who it is. I don't care if we can only get one more, if it's just Buddy Heald, just someone. Because they're getting open looks. And like LeBron said after game one, he thinks they're getting a lot of open looks because the other teams are looking at this roster and saying, we'll give them open looks because they're going to miss them. And that's a problem. And they've been in both these games. The, the Clippers game last night held it tight to the end. And that defense, I think under Darvin Ham, has looked good so far. Obviously, they played two of the the most, I mean, the, probably going to be two of the best offenses in the league so far with the Warriors and the Clippers. So, you know, the numbers might be a little bit of inflated. But I think the defense has looked good. I think they're buying in to what Harvin, Harvin, Darvin Ham is trying to teach them and, and trying to get them to play for. They just don't have the, the fire to the firepower. They don't have anybody in the offensive side that threatens you from that three point line. Like there's no one. There, there's absolutely no one you're you're getting out. LeBron is a good is an okay sometimes to to good three point shooter. He's mm-hmm. not a sniper. Like it's not what he is. He's the best three point shooter. He's going on to need team. to be. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's I, the it's problem. a. W- it's a wonder he signed an extension this summer with the roster looking like this. Yeah. Well, I was surprised to see it too. I thought he'd hold their feet to the fire and just kind of had that free agency looming over the top of them. Maybe he, maybe he was hoping that his commitment might make them more willing to move off those future draft picks and to try to make it work. And I just think you're giving Rob Palenka too much credit because I think he got his position obviously because his relationship with Kobe and he's done nothing to really prove that he knows how to build a roster in the NBA. And because Magic wanted to leave after one year. Because he's not going to be there. And Otherwise, Magic would either still be the GM or they'd probably both be fired by now. Absolutely. I, I That's just what I've seen from the Lakers so far this season. I know everybody in the internet is just going to be like, get Russ out of the get Russ out of there. And I agree with you. He doesn't fit in this roster. But there's more to it than just Russ. It's not all Russ's fault. We mm. know what Russ is at this point in his career. And I'm not going to continue to just slam the man for, you know, going out there. And, and he plays hard. And that's what everybody can say about him. He's going to get mm. – every time he's on the court, he's going to play hard. It's just every time I see him go up for a jump shot, I am wincing at home watching him take that jump shot because I know it's not going in. I know the defenses know it's not going in either. So it's a problem. I don't have the solution. Maybe the heel Turner Trey, that's the one we've heard about for it seems like three years now. <laughs> but if something like that happens, it could help because Heald, we know, is one of the best shooters in the NBA, one of the spot-up shooters. And I think Turner could help on the defensive end as well. So I think it could help them. But I just I just don't see the solution on this roster. I don't think anybody does. They've just done a terrible job putting it together. But moving on from my Lakers rant, man, I have to poke some fun at the Denver Nuggets a little bit. Uh, I know it's only one game, but they're at full strength. They got Michael Porter and uh, Jamal Williams back. Jamal Williams, Jamal Murray back. And, uh, you know, I've also they've had, you know, the guy in the roster who I've heard over the last few years of the best is the best player in the league. And they lost handily to a team that's actively trying to lose in Utah. So I'm just wondering kind of what you saw with the Denver Nuggets there in game one. Well, I tuned into this game a little. Um, I believe I was still finishing up. And I, I saw the score. And I'm like, because I was flipping through like what league pass games I want to watch. I'm like, yeah. okay, this looks awful. But I have to see why the Nuggets are uh, are losing by so much. So I turned the game on and the only thought that crossed my mind, the only possible explanation of why Denver was down by so much that made sense is, oh, 
it's 1998. I mean, that could be the only reason. <laughs> like, look at those jazz jerseys. They look great. Why don't they yeah. wear those all year long? Because there is no reason the Denver Nuggets should be down in any way, shape, or form to that jazz team. That jazz team is awful. It's, aside from Laurie Markkinen and Colin Sexton and Mike Conley, it's, it's a G League roster, too. I, yeah. I mean, I hate to reuse And term, Sexton's coming off the bench. Is. Sexton yeah. didn't even start that game. It's, I mean... The team is meant to be very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the uh, the desired effect Absolutely. for what Danny Ainge wants. Because let's be honest, they're going for Wembenyana, which just because it's the Utah Jazz, I hope he doesn't land there. Like San Antonio <laughs> would be my preferred destination. Be better, Give Pop yeah. something to coach um, in his twilight years uh, in the NBA. But yeah, no, it's it, it was just. I, I have nothing else to say. It was awful. Dude, was I, I love game. to see it. I lo- and what I love, too, is Sexton winding up and blowing right by the back-to-back oh. MVP. Like, he's not even worried. Not a care yeah. in the world. He was scraping his foot on the court like he was, he like, was a bull winding ready up, to charge. Winding up. I love <laughs> it. And, awesome. And Colin Sexton's a nice player. He hasn't done anything in this league. And he's just like, back-to-back MVP, be damned. I don't care. I'm going right at you. I'm blowing right by you, and I'm scoring a layup. And exactly what he did. I didn't have much to take on this one, but, you know, we've heard nonstop over the last two years, just wait until they're healthy, wait until they're at full strength. Well, they are, and it wasn't a great game one. So for the time being, you know, I mean, they've had a lot of high hopes, but we'll see. I mean, I'm sure they'll still be a good team. This was just one game, and obviously mm-hmm. sometimes this team can sneak up, but Utah is actively trying to lose. Like just you could play bad and still get a victory over that team, but to lose to Utah, I'm just like, man, Got to be better than that, man. But moving on to another team, from a team that looked really bad in Denver to a team that looked really good, and let's just talk about a little bit the New Orleans Pelicans. They looked great in their opening game against Brooklyn. They grabbed that 130-108 to win against the Nets. So, Jared, what did you make about the start of their season? Um, it's a great start to the season. You love seeing Zion have a great game to, right out of the gate. 25 points yeah. is exactly what you want to see out of a guy that hasn't played the game in the year. And it was going to be sort of a big question mark coming into the season. I feel like most people's um, fears have kind of been alleviated because I think we have that all-NBA, all-star level player in Zion Williamson back. And that's what the game needs because Zion Williamson is part of the future of this league. And the NBA needs Zion to be great, and I don't think we'll have to worry about that. Now, this game had me wondering, why did I have the Pelicans as low as I had them on my preseason predictions? had me predictions? thinking that, too. Um, and that, I think I said in uh, in our show last week that I was willing to admit this is probably the one where they're probably going to be much higher than this at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and they, they did – They, I can't even talk. I'm just trying to yeah, put together my you. thoughts. It was such a great game, especially against a really good team in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, well, we Ben think. Simmons, and Kyrie. I think it's going to be a really good team. <laughs> we'll I'm just see. thinking any team with Kevin Durant has to be a good team. He's too Absolutely. good to not to not lift his team up a bit. Um, but that was that was a bad showing for Brooklyn. Um, you hope for their sake uh, that that is going to be an anomaly in their season, um, especially with all the questions from the last off season with like the uh, players when Steve Nash fired and stuff like that, basically a mutiny in the public eye. So <laughs> yeah. we'll see what happens with Brooklyn going forward, but getting back to the Pelicans, great showing for them to start. And I'm excited to watch this team. Um, they're going to be my, probably my league, uh, league pass team of the year. 
Yeah, dude, there it was a perfect showing for them in in game one. And really to me, the biggest story was finally being able to see Zion, Ingram, Ingram, and McCollum. You know, they're gonna work together as a trio. That's kind of what the question answered for me. It looked good on paper, you know, coming into this after they made that trade for McCollum last season. But now seeing the product on court, I think it's going to work. Like, I just think the way that they play the game, McCollum, who's not – he's not a traditional point guard. He's more of that two guard. But he can obviously light it up a little bit. Zion kind of just plays that dominant down in the in the paint role. Ingram has been really good. He's, his jump shot has gotten more and more consistent year after year. I think they're going to want to slow Zion down just a little bit more at the beginning of the season. He played 30 minutes. I'd like to see that a little bit closer to 28, maybe even 26, just to kind of start the year to bring him back up to speed, ease him into things before you kind of, you know, start to see him play 34, 36 minutes. But when he's on the court, he's proven to be a generational talent. Ingram, he was great, 28 points. McCollum out of that 21. They forced Simmons to fall up, foul out in this game. They held Kyrie to 15 points, 0 for 6 from the arc. So we saw that defense, too, of the Pelicans really clamped down on a lot of tough scores. So I'm not going to overreact to game one, but I very well, just like you might have underrated the Pelicans already, they could be really good in the West this year. So they're definitely going to be a team I'm going to be keeping my eye, my eye on as well as we move forward into this season. So I don't know about you, but the Pelicans, like you said, it's going to be a team I'm going to be watching as things move forward. So let's move on here to our final segment on the TM Up podcast. And that is, of course, TM Up. So now we, for a lot of teams, a couple games into the season, we're starting to get some content built back up for the NBA. So after looking around the landscape, who gets your technical foul this week for TM Up? Um, I'm giving my technical foul, and you might be a little surprised, but maybe not. I'm giving my technical foul to uh, the Chicago Bulls okay. and Zach Levine. Um, we were told this summer that Zach Levine underwent uh, surgery on his knee, and everything was fine. He said that uh, the procedure cleaned up everything that was going on. Um, his knee's all set to go. He felt comfortable, and he's going to be ready for the season. And then he was playing in preseason games, and then we get to the regular season, and he's a no-show for game one, and he's not playing tonight. When, yeah. Or I'm sorry, tomorrow? I might be getting my schedule mixed up. Whenever <laughs> they play the Washington Wizards for the home opener, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be on the floor. He's not going to be playing. Yeah. Why that is, I don't know. Is his knee really fixed? I don't know. We don't know <laughs> anything because Zach Levine's telling us, like, oh, it's just to manage my knee. Why are you managing your knee at the start of the season? The, you don't miss – season openers for pain management if you're healthy yeah so how healthy is zach levine's knee is this something we're gonna have to worry about what are the chicago bulls not telling us it's because billy donovan said yeah it's to like his knee's not feeling good so we don't we don't know what's going yeah. which way's up um starting to be a little worrisome in chicago i mean this is one of the big things of why the bulls were getting dropped so low by everyone else um in their pre preseason predictions so we'll just have to wait and see. I'm cautiously optimistic just because I am so naive when it comes to <laughs> just it, the injury. It's all going to work out, even though yeah. I should know better because I've been a Bulls fan for the last decade plus. Yeah, you should know all about guard knee injuries. That should be, hey, should hey, be high hey, on your hey, radar. Hey. I mean... Also, mini tee up. I'm teeing up the New York Knicks because Derrick Rose only played 12 minutes the other <laughs> night. If you're going to play him 12 minutes, send him home. Just for you. Send him home. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll play him. We'll play him. We'll, you we'll, can use him too. 
he'll take up those. Use yeah, he'll take up those Kobe White minutes. I don't, I don't want to see that yeah, play basketball go. in the Bulls jersey ever again. I want to see Derrick <laughs> Rose in the Bulls jersey again. Bring back the number one and then retire that shit. There you go, man. Clean up the back. Bulls and then shots fired at the Knicks too. I like it. I like it. Um, this my, who's getting my technical foul this week is a story that kind of not really a story, but it's just something that kind of went underrated. And you probably haven't even heard about it. I'm teeing up Michael Porter Jr. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but in, a, in an interview with Bleacher Report, Porter said that he is definitely, quote, definitely a top 10 shooter in the world. Like, look, Porter, you know, you're, you're a very talented player. You know, I was really high on you coming in, coming into the league. I thought, you know, we didn't see a lot from him in college, but the talent is there. He's going to be great if he can stay healthy. So far in your career, you've been paid more for your talent than your production. In your career, you've averaged 1.9 three-pointers made on 4.6 attempts per game. Pretty good. I mean, it's 42%. You'll take that from a three-point shooter. It's not terrible. But before you go claiming you're a top-10 shooter in the league, back it up. Like, your percentage is nice, but you have to be on the court. You got to be knocking down these shots. You got to be playing in big games. You got to be putting up big numbers. So to sit there and say, yeah, I'm definitely a top-10 shooter in the world, when there's so many guys who maybe their percentage is a little bit lower than you as far as their shooting, but they're giving me 70 games a year. They're giving me 80 games a year. They're playing in the playoffs. They're knocking down big shots. I don't care if they shoot a little bit less per, less percentage. I'm going to take those guys. I'm going to take Seth Curry over you. Like, I'm going to take – heck, I'm biased. I'll take the health and the production and the shooting of Max Struess over you right now. Struess is a laser. Like, don't get me wrong. He scares me. Absolutely. You've put together, you go out there and put together a couple of healthy seasons. You continue your trajectory to, and you could easily be top 10, but you don't have that locked up quite yet, my man. You really don't, Michael Porter. And I get it. You got to have the confidence in this league because if you don't have the confidence, you end up like Ben Simmons. And I get that. You got to go out there. You got to continue to shoot your shot. And when you're on the court, you are. You're you're a threat from that three-point line. But you got to start to rack up these stats, man. You got to start to put together season after season to say, I am just the top, one of the top 10 shooters in the world. Because you're not there yet. You're not there yet. So technical foul on my end to Michael Porter. I think he deserves it. And I'm surprised it hasn't been a little bit more out there. It was just an interview I saw just a couple of days ago for Michael Porter. So, you know, in game one, he had 15 points and he, he made two of five. So he was, you know, shooting 40%. So a little bit, you know, that's not bad, but the volume isn't there. I want to see more from Michael Porter Jr. before you start declaring yourself a top 10 shooter in this league. So uh, that's all we have this week for the TMO podcast. I want to thank you guys all for joining us and following along as we get started here in this long NBA season. But seems long, but things really sneak up on us because before you know it, we'll be at the trade deadline, and before you know it, we will be at the playoffs once again. So thank you guys all for joining us and listening. We will catch you guys next time on the TMO Podcast. And remember, we took our talents to South Beach and won. That's just one game. <laughs>